Why join the Navy when you can be a pirate? And we're going back to the 90s this week. But more importantly, we have a special pirate with us in uh, Eric. Welcome, yeah, two Eric, weeks to the running, show. three pirates. Thanks for having me, boys. All uh, right, well, first, I, I, that was a really shit introduction by myself. I'll give, I'll give that because Eric is actually a, a quite phenomenal DJ, I must admit. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> nah, tell, tell the fans you like. How, what, yeah, how I've you seen you, s- mate. I've seen you on the decks. So I definitely threw down some wiggles it's only a recent um kind of hobby um but it's good fun and i like it but i i'm not the same without my partner in crime josh sharma um, who's actually about to have a kid um in in two weeks so um you know um, yeah shout out josh sharma shout out future baby um so yeah kind of you know not the same without him touching the baba yaga yeah that that's what their their name is look i love that so how did you get into it and how did you get begin how did you start collecting vinyls well, I started DJing, like, I always just wanted to DJ at parties, so I got myself tractors, um, S4s, because they're the cheapest ones you can get, <laughs> but you don't really learn how to beat match on them so well, um, and also they're not the kind of decks that you'll find at parties normally. Like, I remember even one party you got, you were like, Ez, come and DJ, and I'm like, <laughs> there were pioneers up there, I'm like, fuck no, man, I'm not touching oh, them. Oh, that was right here, that was in no, the... No, 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 it was at the party in Caulfield. No, okay. I played at this party here. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember yeah, seeing you. Yeah, it, I played yeah. here at a party few, but there was one party where you asked me, you were like, you're like come up, and I was like, nah. I don't know how to use those. And so I kind of knew from then that I needed to get some, you know, pioneers. But then luckily Josh Sharma's parents found some decks at one of the properties they managed, like a full set of like, you know, two decks and a mixer. And so Josh and I started learning. I mean, we we lived together for a year um, and kind of were just playing like every night or a couple times a week. Um, And that kind of then led into buying, I got my friends were nice enough to get me some um, turntables for my birthday last year, some Stantons. Nice. Very solid. That's kind of led into the whole, um, you know, vinyls. And, and yeah, I've kind, of, I've kind of done the opposite trajectory there. I've sort of started <laughs> pressing buttons on Gideon's Pioneers, but I was, otherwise I was like, I don't do digital, give me vinyl. Yeah, it's, it's like kind of, I love both of them. Like there's something nice about digital. It's a lot easier and you can, you know, you hear a track and most of the time you can just buy it or download it and then yeah. you can be playing it and there's something really nice about that. But then also it does get a bit, you know, it's just like hit the cue button and there's not, as much to it. Although there are some amazing um, DJs who do some crazy shit that I could never do on digital. Oh, for sure. But like just that whole experience of going out, finding a record and being like, fuck yeah. <laughs> like, yeah like, that, that whole experience is I like- I was having this discussion the other day as well. It's sort of like, you know, I think I remember first watching you guys play records, like even kids as well. Like my, my ex- expectation of sort of like house parties and DJing just exponentially grew <laughs> because I'd been a DJ, like I've been buying records before I was DJing. I was like, fuck, these guys have like spent- hours like curating this yeah years yeah, yeah. well kids, kids has been doing it like for me it's a couple of years kids has been doing it fucking fast oh, no. <laughs> house parties and like yeah yeah kids is dj i've retired and come back yeah yeah, yeah, yeah exactly yeah. do you guys find you've got like two collections as well we've got your listening collection and your part like party collection as well oh i think i've got more than just two i reckon i've got like one like oh we, we now have a podcast collection let's we have a podcast honest. collection i have a dj one i have a listening one i have like just a dinner one a lounge one probably just like a girl in the room kind of one <laughs> like yeah I, I agree i get a bit of anxiety between my spotify music and my itunes music because like i kind of i'm listening to stuff on spotify and then i'm downloading it for my usbs for if i play and then like there i just always want them in sync and then also you've got the whole re- um the whole vinyl collection, which yeah. is a, for me is a different sound um, to what I would normally listen to or play yeah. um, kind of digitally, which is the cool part because like, you know, digging allows you to kind of 
do things or find things that your Spotify recommendation could never. For sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. You pick something out, you go, fuck, this cover's cool. Like, yeah. I grabbed yeah. A, we were talking about reggae off the air. I grabbed one, it was just big bad sax. And it was just this guy ripped sax solos. Amazing. Over reggae yeah. beats. Yeah, yeah. It's a little sneak peek for the reggae one. We'll, yeah. we'll get you back on for <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, we were originally meant to tee this up for a reggae one, um, yeah. but that was a bit like, and then I'm like, nah, 90s house. Yeah. So let's talk about 90s house. So when you're playing, do you love playing 90s house? Like your main go to? I wouldn't say that my – I can mix vinyl, but I'm not at that level where I think I'd be confident to just whip it out at a party at this point. Maybe <laughs> I could, but I would need to be very sober. Or just very drunk. <laughs> yeah, no, it's got to be sober, I reckon. Like, to, yeah. It's just a lot more manual, like, you know. Concentration, you pick it up and find sure. it, Like, you know, just like even something like if you're, you know, if you're a bit inebriated, like you can hit the, vi- oh. the, the needle yeah. easily and then it's fucking game over. <laughs> yeah, um, mate, it's like I wear glasses and the moment the lights go out, my vision turns to shit. So I'm there trying to like peel through records. Oh, you can even barely play the record right on the podcast alone, like at a pub. <laughs> you always miss the first beat. <laughs> mate, I'm a little bit more accurate at a pub. Yeah, so don't really play, yeah, if anyone's ever, heard me play at a party like so, like I will like recently I've gotten more into house music and trying to incorporate that more in the sets um, but it's been more like techno tech house at parties and then like kind of the collection I've been collecting is more of this like 90s house sound um, which I want to get good at mixing so I can play it at parties because yeah very exciting all right well I can uh, you should play your records then all right let's do it
Wow, that was some really nice tunes. Ah, it was I really well loved that. that. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, tell me about the records. What uh, what were they? All right, so the first one was El Toro by Torso, the canned Fruitcake 7, Fruitcake 7 mix, Peppermint Jam Records out of Germany. Never heard of them. Jeez, that's a lot of food references in that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Never heard of them. Like, honestly, like Shazam like has 800 Shazams on it. Like, I don't know. I think it's one of those tracks which is great, but probably never just kind of made it. doesn't have the airtime. Yeah, it's on Spotify. I know that people want to listen to it. The second one was um, Our Time Is Coming by Masters at Work, which is, um, they're a duo, which is Louis Vega and Kenny Dope, which oh, are I love big, names, big names out of New York. And that's yeah, from yeah. 2001. Um, I love the just, New York house scene. It's and that, so that, that, that's yeah. a, a Royer sample. Um, that one. And, yeah, he's a good, he's a good dude. He was here this year actually, and he played. Um, yeah, you went. To how save, old is didn't he? How, how old is he? He's eighty six years old. He's still going around. One hundred and eighty six years old. <laughs> yeah, they, these like performers, they just have it in them. They, yeah, they just go until the day they die. I reckon. Still killing the keys. He's a bit. It was a bit sad. It was a bit old, and like he didn't know what tracks were coming next, and the band would have to remind him, "Hey, we're playing this track," and then he just gets into it and just rocks it. But every time he'll play. Everybody loves the sunshine. Yeah, like so he good. loves it. He's like the happiest guy. In the, oh, yeah. man, is, it, such is the boy still the still there? Uh, it's still there. Oh well, very nice. And then the last one was Starlight, so soulful vocal remix by Eddie and Dust, um, out of France in two thousand one. Amazing. Um, so yeah, all yeah, two thousand, two thousand one, and two thousand one. So. Post nineties, but I would still count it in the in that nineties bracket. Yeah, it's a genre. It's not more as a time. It's Mm, yeah. So no, really love those. Got those. Got those and um, most of these from um, Hub three hundred one on Johnson Street, Abbotsford. Shout out out to Greg there, who's (laughs) definitely not listening. Yeah. <laughs> but I will send him the link after. Never know. Yeah, go for Give it. me some free records. Definitely. Um, so you should go. If you like this sound, you should definitely go there. They're like honestly paid $5 a pop. Yeah, that's the thing with 90s records. Like you can find absolute gems for like such a low price. 100%. Well, there's just oversupply of them from the 90s just going around and, you know. Yeah, back yeah, sort of when the CD craze kind of like really jumped on board. I'm definitely going to go there for Dig. Like this sort of the stuff, it's, yeah, it's definitely a genre I want to dive into. I just haven't really known. Yeah, well, I saw you boys at, um, where was it, Dutch Vinyl the other day, and yeah. it's just a few doors down from there, so it's convenient for you guys to check it out. Yeah, but <laughs> 90s, that era was, I find it so interesting, because like, that was like the rise of like post-rave culture, like early club culture, and like this electronic music wave where records were like just dominating the, the sales, and then comes digital and radio and radio edits and how that dictated the music, I Thought it was so interesting. Hundred yeah, percent. That whole radio PC culture just like really, you know, made a lot of records shit the bed. I guess. Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, there are all, so many good '90s records. Like when we were all kids, like playing on like Mix 101 in Melbourne. And then when you hear them these days, you get that like nostalgic feeling. Um, but there are just so many more that we never heard as kids. Um, so it's kind of good now to be able to like dig and revisit a lot of those things. But yeah, it would have been good to be born. Then even like the parties, like. The oh, limited- those parties in the 90s yeah. would be so unregulated. 100%. <laughs> the limited footage of those parties that like sometimes surface on Facebook, like someone will like post a video of Vice yeah. or some bullshit will post it and it just looks amazing because there are no phones out. Everyone's oh, exactly. Everyone time. is just there for the music. Like that's the thing. You yeah. now, you'd nearly say that just phones like really just shut down but parties. If you, you look at those parties out of Ibiza, 
Like it's just fucked. Oh, yeah. in the nineties, it's just like well, no, I mean, visa yeah. parties now. Even now. So the Instagram culture is fucked. Yeah. yeah, compared to like back in the day, where but like that just, London yeah. rave scene as well, which is going on back then. Yeah, yeah, I want to talk about. I went actually when I was in London in August. I went to a, an exhibition that would just like showcase that scene and what they used to do to find these parties. Because like you said, there's no phones. Like, how do you find where the party 100%, 100%. is? You got to be in the know. I, I yeah. guess. So like you'd have to like phone a telephone booth, and some guy would be like, "Yeah, yeah, it's down this way to the right. Three dollars. There'll be a guy, and he'll show you the way." And it's like two hours outside of London because it's like in these abandoned warehouses. And like that's where I guess we talk about like 90s, like Detroit as well. Where Detroit, these, Chicago. Manchester, like UK just was blowing up there in America as well, obviously. But yeah, it's, it's interesting. Well, I th- the thing I find interesting is that like, it, like DJs played a much bigger part then because they were actually bringing the music. Because you couldn't like, you couldn't just whip out your There's phone no or whip out your Spotify. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you like, discover So it, like, yeah. you know, the record labels were like funneling like these, their tracks through the DJs and then like a specific club or a specific city would have that that music. And then like, it would have to be sent across the world, you know, a track made in Detroit to be played in like London. It would have to actually yeah. be sent across <laughs> the world, you know, to be played there. Um, so, you know, if you heard a track, like it's, it was, you know, kind of an amazing thing where it's like these days, like it's actually crazy, like, you know, Say like Defected, which is a big house label, they release a track now. It's just being played in every Everywhere. fucking club. Yeah, the best example I can tell you is this was. Um, but if you wanted to hear it, you had to go and travel to these clubs that were playing that music and have yeah, because they all had their own labels. Percent. Like yeah. the best example I could give you from this year is that last year the track "Losing It" by Fisher. Oh yeah, best which yeah. was yeah. Like, it was a good. It's a good tech house track, but. The Even second, when he talks about it, he's like, "Mate, I just hit play and fucking dance." Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and, the, and, the, and the second it was released, like you know there was. Like within a couple of weeks, it was just being played by every club in the world. Yeah, like, every you know, everywhere. DJ had it in their and set so, list. like, it, there's, it, it's an amazing track, but it kind of loses its novelty so quickly because you can just hear it anywhere. Uh, I think that was something that would have been just amazing back in the day. Oh, I would be. So, I'd, it, I would like also it values hate, and then devalues music as well. It's just like you it, couldn't find. Like you'd have this record stuck in your head for ages, and you couldn't be able to find it. But then when you find that absolute record in the in the store, you'd be like, I remember yeah. this DJ played this at this club. And so I think that's to have a bit of a resurgence now like you said you know we're chatting off air about going to places you know a few local bars and these djs are playing like you know records that they've just dug for and obscurities that they've found and they've liked to then for you if you're like fuck where do i find this record you might ask him what it is and he'll be like oh man like good luck yeah totally agree yeah, so I'll uh, yeah, kids, kids, you're gonna jump on. Sit, show, show me what you got. <laughs> show me what you got. <laughs> I'll play some records from the '90s, but um, it's just interesting because a lot of these, uh, just to hop on that, like a lot of these clubs had their own labels, that's, and that's how they'd push out the music. So that's obviously when you talk about like the labels didn't push out worldwide because they literally have to send it. So you have yeah, to go or to even like club. Talk, you know, throw it back again to New York when we're chatting about uh, Larry, like Louis yeah. Baker and stuff. Like Larry Levan was his own label. <laughs> that guy's his own genre. Yeah, <laughs> like, fuck yeah. <laughs> right, we'll play some records. Hit us, hit it, kids.
Phase one. The seed is planted when opposites attract. Can you dig it? It takes the physical to create the physical. Phase two. The flower blossoms through what seems to be a concrete surface, i.e. greed, racism, insanity, physical and social handicaps. These are the things that mold the flower. Red rose or black rose, no in between. Phase three, the judgment. If it were to fall upon you today, which flower would you be? The red rose or the black? This is the warning.
Yeah, so those are my records. What do you think? Very, very <laughs> nice. Very nice. I think they flowed on nicely. That first one was like a bit more vocally. Um, yeah, that was just, CC Rogers, uh, Brothers and Sisters. And that's, um, I think, the whole amazing thing about house music is that it's built on all the disco tunes and it's like all these house producers kind of like started taking all these disco tracks as kind of disco was fading out and then like chopped them with like these crazy kick drums and hi-hats and snares and then you know they've just made reworked these amazing tracks which is yeah just so like those you had those like funk bands playing and they realized how to sample them and then they realized like then i think it was like the tr the 909, 909 that came out, that drum machine, and that just took shit to the next level. And that's what those sounds are. So the way that like, they even made the music change, that as well, like that was the biggest thing. Well, that's what's super impressive is like they were making that music like on these drum machines and like with like getting samples from like vinyls or getting people to sing live on it, you know, in these big, you know, probably in these big studios. And like now it's just totally different. It's like, all producers on the are making, People are making like, you know, I know Bonobo made, I think it was um, Migration, um, that album. He made it like... Like in every city that he was in. And it doesn't discount he's an amazing producer, but like the fact that you can like produce a different track in like every city that you're in. I think, <laughs> don't so quote me on that. I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere. It was like kind of something to do with him traveling. Yeah. Um, no, but I know Model Orchestra did that as well for their recent album. They recorded that in seven different cities and yeah, yeah. like shit Faker did the same on his, some of his, on Nick Murphy did, on his release. He organized like a Japanese orchestra to play yeah. and while he's in like Berlin and playing someone from Melbourne. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, just, just throw it back to bedroom, just bedroom production. That's <laughs> yeah. Just a dark corner of your bedroom after 15 bottles of wine and see what happens. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's what like technology has allowed producers to do. But like back in the day, like people had these fucking drum machines, like making the, the beats and like, yeah, taking these disco samples, yeah. like the belting, like, you know, big vocals, you know. And not everyone had the drum machine. Like you maybe a friend, a friend knew yeah. someone, like they were like so, they were probably so expensive back then yeah, compared yeah, to yeah. now. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Yeah, so it's dope. And what was the second, what was the second track? The I second, definitely recognize that. The second one was on a label called Strictly Rhythm, which is actually one of my favorite ones. Man, like, it even sounded like a bit like, won't you know what year? It's like, it's even yeah, it was, like, not, it was not, I think it was, it was definitely in the 90s. I think it was 96. Yeah, it had um, that like lo-fi sound, which was really nice. Yeah, I was really into that like sort of, yeah, definitely whatever the melody was over the top there. Dun, dun, yeah. Dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was called Logic, by the, I think by the warning, but it's inner city mix. Um, and that's the thing, all these like, all these artists, like I have no idea who, like I haven't really heard much of them because like you only find them them on the records, especially the people who make the edits and the remixes. Like you're like, oh yeah, this is sick, but I don't know who you are. <laughs> exactly. Like you might have only made like 10 records in your life and this is the one. Oh, and to try to find those obscurities is a fucking shit show sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, that's the yeah. culture. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So you're, you're going to play a few more records? Yeah, and then, I think uh, we'll play three more. I think that last one had the, I'll, I'll tr try going to a bit more of like a minimal kind of sound, like less, less lyric-y. Um, so yeah. For sure. And Louis, uh, this is your last one for the year before you're heading off and then we'll oh. take a, we're going to take a little break from the podcast. Yeah, that it is. Just uh, before I go on holidays for, you know, that Christmas period, I'll be just, I'll be doing a bit of a surf trip with a buddy. So Is this the last one for the year or are you going to do another one? It's the last break? one with Louis and we'll see what happens. Good. <laughs> Kid loves getting me off the podcast. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, no, we'll, we'll have a break for Christmas and New Year's and we'll come back on the first week in, in January for those uh, wanting to keep up with us. So this is a goodbye to Louis. Oh, hectic. Yeah, well, goodbye to you all as well. Yeah, so... Uh, Thanks for joining us this week, Eric. It's been sick. Yeah. Pleasure. It's been super fun. And then Eric's just going to play his last three records and then I'll be it for uh, this 90s house uh, session. I'm amped to get you back for some reggae. So yeah, reggae. We can kick kids off a podcast for once. <laughs> Actually, for sure. Like I... 
Uh, you don't have any, reg- no any reggae? reggae records? <laughs> no, I definitely like got some like rootsy stuff, some newer stuff as well. So yeah, we'll see. Is Fat Freddy's re- reggae? Um, I think like- I'd, You know what? I just about, you can slide it in. Well, I have every Fat Freddy's vinyl. <laughs> so, cause I love them so much. Um, so I That's would- That's so epic. I would count like their older stuff, like- um, is it based on a true story? Is their first one? Oh, what's the yeah. album cover? Yeah, the I think blue one. Yeah. Blue one based on a true story, like with Roadie and yeah, that's and the one I got. Yeah, yeah, Roadie, yeah, Roadie and Ernie. I swear, it's like a three minute track, but when they play it live, it's about fifteen. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that definitely counts as like rootsy reggae. I think as they kind of progress with their sound, it gets a bit more like electronic, but still always a bit that that reggae vibe. Yeah. So I would say that you could reggae's play, pretty encapsulated. Yeah, I would say you could play Fat Freddy's. Maybe I will play some Fat Freddy's on a on a reggae podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. A little sneak preview. Love it. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, maybe I'll see you next week. Otherwise, Louis will see you next year. Done deal. And then we'll see you on the next reggae one.